This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, Professor of Sport Management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. Today is a special episode as we share a talk given in Professor Andy Brown's Media and Society class from Daniela Bruce. Daniela is the digital reporter for the Detroit Red Wings and made history in March when she became the first female to work in the Red Wings radio booth. Hear more about her career in sports media and how she was prepared to jump in the radio booth when play-by-play announcer Ken Cal tested positive for COVID-19. I hope you enjoy. To start off with, maybe you could just kind of tell your story and your background with your education and how you got to where you are right now. Sure. So my dream of being a sports broadcaster started at a very, very young age. I think I was 11 or 12 when I decided I wanted to be a sports reporter. And I know it's pretty rare to decide at that age and then actually follow through with it. So that is a fun fact about me. But I decided in high school that I wanted to go to Michigan State. So I got into Michigan State J School and graduated in 2016 with a broadcast journalism degree. And from there, I ended up working for State Champs, which is a high school sports network. I actually believe they're in Indiana as well. They're in Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio at the moment. So I got some reps doing that kind of stuff. And during college, I should probably mention too, during my time at Michigan State, I had great internships. I interned at a local government-sponsored TV station called Home TV, which was just outside of East Lansing. And then I also interned at ESPN for a semester. So I lived in Bristol and was working at their headquarters, which was a phenomenal experience. I didn't do any on-camera work there, but I did get to learn a lot about being behind the scenes. So that helped me in my job with state champs. And then ultimately my job with the Red Wings, I interviewed for the job in 2017 when Little Caesars Arena opened here in Detroit. And I was actually told I didn't get the job, that I was going to be there person B, I think they were calling it. So I was the second choice, but it ended up being a pregame and intermission show at Little Caesars Arena. So I was able to take that and run with it. And my position has grown from there. As you guys have probably seen, I I did my first radio game. I was the color analyst alongside Ken Cal, who has been doing this for as long as I have been alive. So it's a pretty cool story, but I appreciate every part of it. What was it like to intern at ESPN? Obviously that perked everybody up in the room here. Uh, (laughs) We all, we all know the, the celebs on ESPN. What were you doing there and what was that experience like? So my internship was in the production operations department, which actually covered a multitude of things. I got to help with the production of Sports Center, So I was running cameras for Sports Center while I was there. Um, I learned what the network control does. So what the main control room does at ESPN. It's a room that has about Mm, probably 12, maybe even more smaller rooms in them that are all control rooms. So they're bringing in every broadcast that's being done remotely. So I was on headset communicating with the trucks that were out in at Michigan State for the Michigan State basketball game, letting them know when they were going to be going to commercial break. And I was in charge of rolling that commercial break. So it was interesting to see the traffic control that actually goes into getting a live broadcast out there. And then I was able to make some great connections while I was there too. I always joke with people that the first day I was there, they have this huge cafeteria, a very nice cafeteria where you can go eat lunch. And Adam Schefter sat down next to me. And I was like, you know, so starstruck at the time, just talking to Adam Schefter, the guy where, you know, he breaks all the news in the NFL, right? He's, he's the main source. So it was really cool to meet him. He was a great guy. Stephen A, believe it or not, was a very nice guy. Um, He had 
he was fun to hang out with. I met Carrie Champion. She gave me some great advice and a lot of a lot of great connections made there. And it was it seemed like a very fun place to work. And they actually did offer me a production job after the internship. But um, I had the goal of being on air and I knew that that wasn't going to be the path I needed to take. Shefty's a Michigan man. He is a Michigan man. Yes. Didn't really like that. I was a Spartan, but that's okay. Yeah, I'm sure you can work that out. You talked about your internships and how important that was to land the position that you have now. Um, can you tell our students, and a lot of these are freshmen and sophomores here at Trine, how, how did you get in the fight for those internships? And just maybe talk a little bit about that process, if you wouldn't mind. So I actually, the home TV, which I said was like a government um, sponsored station, they actually are completely intern run um, and they work with a lot of MSU students, Michigan State and Central Michigan students always drove down. So they were, the students were producing, they were editing, they were reporting, they were anchoring. It was a, a really, really cool experience. And I did that after my sophomore year. So it was sophomore year headed into my junior year. That summer is when I started doing that. And um, internships are everything. That would be one of my biggest keys of advice to you guys. And I did this all unpaid. It was, it was an unpaid internship and I had to go out and find my stories, do all the interviews, edit them together myself and have them ready to go for the weekly shows. And you also learn how to post and promote things on social media. So you're learning every aspect of a broadcast. And I think that's something that is really, really important. And you want an internship that'll let you be hands-on. I know a lot of the bigger name news stations um, don't really let interns use their cameras or use their editing equipment. I actually had that experience at Fox 2 here in Detroit. But learning everything and being able to edit, being able to operate a camera, even if you do want to be an on-air personality is super, super important. It's how I got my job with the Red Wings because I'm able to edit. I do a lot of the editing. If you come to a game and see the, the videos on the video board, a lot of that is me. A lot of the digital content that I put out, I do all by myself. And I think it it's the number one most important skill to have is being versatile in this industry. So start working on those internship opportunities. And yeah. Those. And don't be afraid to send emails. Don't be afraid. Like find, find a phone number, find an email address, find someone on LinkedIn, send them a message. That's how I got my job with state champs. I was actually at ESPN uh, my senior year and I found this state champs high school sports network. And I was like, oh, they, they go on what was then Fox Sports Detroit. I'm like, this is really cool. I'm going to just email them and see if they have anything open. And it it got me right in there. So just don't be afraid to reach out to people, ask around. And even if they don't have anything, a lot of people are very helpful in this industry and will point you in the right direction. Awesome, Danielle. I, I have uh, quite a few things that uh, I'd like to ask you, but I'm going to stop so I don't <laughs> feel any questions from my students. I'd like to introduce you to Brandy Wilson. She was named the uh, Hockey Player of the Year in our conference. Um, Ooh, congratulations. But she's one of the probably the best women's hockey player we've ever had at Trine. She's also broadcast a few games for us on the Trine network. So um, I thought of her when I reached out to you and she's not in this class, but we were able to get her in to, to just meet you. And, and I thought I'd let her start off the questions today. Yeah, let's hear it. Congratulations. That's such an awesome accomplishment. Thank you. Um, so just being like a woman in the broadcasting, like what kind of like face any challenges, like, I feel at times people will watch something and you're like, you know, see a woman in sports, they think, oh, like, they don't know as much and stuff. Have you ever faced, like, any of the challenges, like, that way? 
in all honesty, me personally, I haven't faced anything personal in that way, but I can tell you that that assumption is going to be made no matter what, right? I, I'm a woman, I'm blonde, I don't know anything about sports, right? That's, that's exactly um, what some people are going to think. And the challenge there is just making sure you know it, right? They, they can't argue knowledge, they can't argue talent. And if you have all of that, it doesn't matter what those people say. And let me tell you, for every person that thinks that way, there are 10 people that are going to be super supportive of you being a woman and every dream that you have. So luckily for me, I've been completely supported throughout the way. I haven't really faced any adversity just because I am a woman. Um, but I think, like I said, I think that message is always going to be there for a certain group of people that, you know, the women don't know as much or they didn't play the sport. So how could they possibly know anything about it, which it just isn't true. And as you go throughout your career and you gain the knowledge and you meet more and more people, you'll see that there are way more supportive people than there are the people that are negative about it. Can you imagine someone thinking that because I'm a dude that I know more about hockey than Brandy Wilson? Yeah, <laughs> they'd be crazy. They're crazy. Assumption, right? Is everybody saying yeah. I thought Ken Cal in the video we showed said it really well. People are talented people, you know, male or it doesn't make any difference. It's do you put in the work? Are you a professional? Can you handle your business? Do you know the stuff? And the opportunities for women are are, are there and, and you just have to push and pursue it. I want to introduce you to Brooklyn Sosinski. Uh, she is right behind. Uh, let's see if I can get Brooklyn on the camera there. <laughs> Wait, Brooklyn. Don't be shy. There you are. Um, so she's on our lacrosse team and she's broadcast a couple hockey games for us. She actually did play by play for a playoff game and had the call of the game winner at the end, which became a little bit viral here on campus. Um, so Brooklyn's another one that I wanted to introduce to you. And I know she has a question for you also. So you were filling commentator for Paul Woods for the Red Wings broadcast or radio broadcast, which made you the first woman to ever broadcast for the Wings. Can you explain what kind of emotions you were experiencing in that moment and what kind of struggles that you had to endure to get to that point? It, I think I think you guys, if you watch the video, you heard me say that it, I didn't really think about it, and I don't know. Um, now that I've had time to sit back and think about it, it's, it's an honor and it's something that's going to be in history books. It's, it could be a trivia question one day, who knows? And, um, I feel like my hard work that I've put in had, has propelled me to this point, but with Ken Cal, um, like I said, he's been broadcasting games since I've been alive. So that don't tell him I said that he doesn't like when I age him that way, but, um, he has been doing it forever as long as I can remember. And, when he asked me, it was more of a, oh, it's just another day in the office with Ken Cal because I host a show with him on every game day. We do the four check, which is a game preview of what's going to be happening here at Little Caesars Arena that night. So it just felt like another day on the job for me. But it, the part that I think is was the best is that Ken thought of me when he needed somebody to step in and fill the role for Paul Woods while he was out. He was sick. Um, he thought of me first. I was his first choice. And he went and asked everybody if they were okay with it. And then came to me and said, Hey, you know, you're going to be the color analyst tonight. Are you ready for this? And he knew I was ready for it. So if that's not a confidence booster for me, I don't know what could be having Ken in my corner has been really helpful to my career. Daniela, how far before the game did you know that you would be doing that? So I, I got a call on a Thursday morning to call the game on Thursday night. So I was supposed to just have like, you know, it was probably like a 12 hour period before the game, but it actually ended up getting 
postponed due to Anaheim having some COVID issues in their locker room. So I called Saturday was my first game. So from Thursday to Saturday, I had all the time to prepare for that, which was actually really nice because it's a lot of preparation that goes into calling a game. We have more students with questions, but I just wanted to follow up. So you mm -hmm. did that at Little Caesars Arena, but it was a road game. Correct. So yes. Describe for us the setup. You're broadcasting a road game in an empty arena, per se. Um, so the Pistons court down. The Pistons court was down. <laughs> you have a bunch of video boards or how does that work? How, did, how does yeah. the setup look like? It's just a few monitors and we're watching the game. We're watching the TV feed. So if Valley Sports Detroit had the game, we were watching their feed. If ESPN had the game, we were watching their feed. Um, the one thing I will say, it's super challenging because especially as a color analyst, you're supposed to be adding the color, right? What's going on in the building? What are the fans doing? What can you see, especially on radio? What are you seeing that fans are missing out on? And I was missing out on a lot of that stuff too off a monitor. I will never forget during an overtime period in Anaheim, um, Tyler Bertuzzi injured his wrist, right? And he dropped his gloves and his stick and skated directly to the bench. But because we only saw what was on camera, they were on the other end of the ice and I missed that whole thing. So when you go back over to the other side of the ice, all you saw was two gloves and a stick on the ice and we, no one knew had, what had happened. So being in person is definitely huge. Calling off a monitor was difficult. It had its challenges, but it made it a lot easier for me to call the game when the action was happening in front of me. Awesome. So I'm going to open it up to the class and uh, I asked them to read up a little bit about your situation and come prepared today. So I know they have some questions for you. All right, this is uh, Nick Woolley, one of our comm majors. Go ahead. So as Andy said, a lot of us commentate sports around campus. And up in the top right corner where we're commentating, we can see maybe 200 or three people are watching. And to you, that's probably a small number. But to us, it could be nerve wracking sometimes knowing that many people are watching. So I can only imagine like broadcasting a Red Wings game, knowing hundreds of thousands of people are watching. It can be a very nerve wracking thing to do. So I was wondering, uh, what's a tip you maybe have to help calm those nerves and kind of maintain your confidence throughout the game? Well, let me tell you, nerves are natural. And if you're not nervous, then you're doing something wrong is what I've always said. Like you're not challenging yourself. If you're not a little bit nervous, the first time you're doing something right. Um, the way that you kill those nerves is with reps and with practice and with confidence. You mentioned it. How do you keep your confidence? How you just have to be confident that you know what you're talking about, that you did your homework and most of the time, also remember this, if you make a mistake, you might notice it, but most of the time, 99% of the people listening to you are not going to notice it. So you move on, correct it if you feel it needs to be corrected and move forward. I mean, um, you're human, so that's going to happen in broadcast. I make mistakes all the time still, but I would say it just, it comes with practice. It comes with reps. Like the show I was talking about with Ken Cal, we go live every game day at 4.30. When I first started doing that show, I was shaking. I The mic was shaking. I was so nervous when I first did it. And now it's like I could do it in my sleep. And then I was really nervous for the radio broadcast the first time I did it. I mean, Red Wings fans, they're diehard, they're passionate. And I knew I had a big, big job to do. But just getting in the zone, making sure you're prepared. Again, preparation is everything, is the best way to calm those nerves. And once you get started, once you get the reps in, you won't be nervous anymore. Uh, hi, I'm Ben. I'm gonna, like, so yeah, like Nick said, a lot of us students do a uh, broadcast here. Um, and you were just saying that uh, preparation is the biggest part. Uh, I find that preparation, honestly, like for broadcast, is probably the hardest part of the entire process is preparing myself and reading off the stats and figuring out who does what. Um, 
what are like systems that you do to like prepare yourself so you know that you know like exactly what you're talking about and you know understand the uh what the other teams bring to the table as long as what like the red wings bring i would definitely say this obviously with professional sports it's it's honestly a little bit easier if you work for a professional sports team to have the access to the coaches to the players to be able to ask questions and with the red wings um I'm confident in my knowledge and, and everything Red Wings, no matter what. So it's for me, it was the, the oppo opponent. Like you said, you have to be familiar with the opponents coming in. Um, talk to anyone you know around the area. I don't know if, if you guys mix with any of the kids that are in the other schools or any students, but talk to people you know. That's what I always did. I reached out to, for Anaheim, I know the Anaheim play-by-play -play very well. I reached out to him and said, okay, give me some notes on this team. Like, what should we be looking for? Who are your players that we should keep our eyes on? And then, of course, you just scour the internet for everything you can find on them. Like I said, again, it's a little little easier with professional sports because there's a lot of information on them. I know when I've done some smaller college games, sometimes it's harder to find all that information. And if that's the case, call the athletic department, and say, hey, I'm going to be broadcasting the game tonight. I'd really like to speak with coach so-and-so. Um, can you see if we can set aside some time to do that? Um, I do sideline reporting for Oakland University as well, uh, their basketball so that's kind of what else I've been able to do. I'll get to the game very early and I'll say, hey, when you get the coaches, can I talk to them? So I do all my prep beforehand, but getting stuff from the coaches, I think is super important because that really does add a lot to a broadcast that people don't know or people can't see. And you always want to be serving your consumers, right? You want to tell them things they don't know. That's the biggest thing in a broadcast. So I think the connections with the other team, you know, try to get with their coaches, try to get with players if you can, ask them a few questions before the game. That is has been my biggest thing going forward. Hi, my name is Kyler Bills. I'm a freshman comm major here. And, you know, for me, it's it's kind of the same thing that you do. My, my dream is to work for a professional organization, kind of do what you're doing. Something that Professor Brown always preaches here is reputation and brand and how important it is to start that in college. It looks good on resumes and internships. Can you talk to me about you've developed your brand over the years yeah you know it's it's funny because he's totally right you do need to build your brand and be be on social media as crazy as that sounds make sure you're posting everything but you guys even a little bit more so than me so as a freshman the, the tiktok world is crazy i sound old right now by saying i have no idea what i'm doing on tiktok or any of that but what i did was always keep a professional right just make sure that you have you have a twitter account twitter's huge you have an instagram account you have a tiktok account and you're trying to be active on there and promoting your work. And I think the biggest thing in building a brand, especially in this industry, in this day and age, is that you don't even have to have the big job to be putting content out there. You don't have to be sitting in my shoes to be uh, putting your thoughts out there on the Red Wings, right? Whatever team you want to cover, who's your, what's your favorite team? What's, what's the dream organization? Uh, the Carolina Panthers. Okay. So you want to cover Carolina Panthers, right? So start a YouTube channel. What, you know what I'm saying? You can start a podcast. You can do whatever you want to do and just start recording yourself on your phone. The video quality is great. And um, do recaps of games, things like that. Post them on social media, put them on TikTok and stay professional. I think you have to make sure you're staying within those boundaries, but there's so many opportunities there. And I think I actually missed out on some of them, to be honest with you. I'm starting to get better at it now, making sure I'm always posting stuff on my Instagram reels and TikToks, cutting things down for social media, putting snippets and links to bigger things out there. And it's been really helping, especially on Twitter. So yeah, like I said, just utilize all of that. It's a tool for you. And if you want to watch a Panthers game every Sunday and do a recap on it and then post it, people will see it. It happens. Like there are so many different ways to get to the point that you want to be at. And social media is a great tool.
So with live broadcasting, and I'm sure like preparation goes into a lot, uh, what are some tried and true ways that you use to recover from maybe messing up or fumbling or stumbling over your words? Are there any like ways to get back on track and try to fix what you said? Um, and it, it does, if you mess up, like, of course, I'm frustrated with myself after I do it because nobody wants to mess up on TV, right? But the best way to do it is just, if it's a mistake you need to correct, correct it, move on, get to the next thing. And no one is going to, like I said, you're going to remember it way longer than anybody else is going to remember it. So if you're a sideline reporter and you have a hit coming up and you botch the hit, you mess something up really bad let it go. And then you're going to have another hit coming up and you're going to correct it there. Or if I'm doing a radio broadcast, that's like three and a half hours. So I'm bound to make a mistake at some point. Right. And if I do make a mistake, I'm going to correct it, move on and do better the next time. So I think you definitely have to have a short memory when it comes to making mistakes, like any athlete too. If you make a mistake in a game, you got to have a short memory because you're going to need to turn around and be better on the next play. Right. So I think that is the mindset you have to have short memory. You're going to make mistakes. You're never going to be perfect. You just have to be able to forget about it, move on and realize it's not rocket science, right? It's just a sports broadcast. So it'll be okay. It'll be all right. And you'll move on and you'll do great the next. Hi, I'm John Lewis. I'm a junior communications major here. And I just wanted to ask, have you ever had issues with like confidence in a professional sense and do you have any advice on how to move past those issues i would say confidence is it's always a key to being successful in this industry you have to sound like you know what you're talking about right even if there's something where you're not like exactly you're, you're not sure of it you need to sound sure of it and i think again it all goes back to preparation if you're prepared if you're ready to go then there's no reason that your confidence will be down right and like i said i've said it a few times now you're going to make mistakes, especially when you're young and you're starting off, you're going to make those mistakes and they're great to make them now because watch it, watch it back. That's something I always did that helps my confidence. Now, sometimes it can be cringeworthy when I go back and watch my old stuff. I'm like, Oh man, that was not good. But to see the improvement in yourself is one thing and to critique yourself is really big too. So I think to make sure that you have that confidence, start doing more. Do you, do you want to be on camera? What, what do you want to do specifically? Yeah. On, on yeah. camera, oddly. So really you want to be on air talent and, yeah. and okay. So whatever that may be, whether it's sideline reporter, play by play, start doing it, record yourself and make sure you go back and watch it, get other people to critique it for you. That's something I'm huge on. I send, I still to this day, send my demo reel to multiple people every time I update it and I get their feedback and I don't listen to all of it because everyone's going to have a little bit of different feedback, but it's going to teach you the tricks and the things that you need to change to be more successful. And that in turn will help build your confidence and you'll see yourself improve. So I think just having that confidence in yourself, it's huge and it will grow as you continue to do what you're doing. Hi, my name is Luke Kearns, also a major here. I'm a freshman. Um, and so obviously you're excited about getting the, you know, call the go broadcasting. So what was your mentality going into that? Did you want to make a statement uh, in the sports world or was it more general for, for women in general? You know, my goal going into it, yes, number one, of course, I want to teach younger women that there are no barriers anymore. And if there are, you can break them, right? So of course I wanted to do that. But for me, I wanted to give Red Wings fans a great broadcast. And I know that sounds crazy, but that was my number one goal. I wasn't really thinking about me. I wasn't thinking about my career. I was thinking about number one, how great Ken Kell and Paul Woods are together. They're iconic here in Detroit. So to fill in the, those shoes, it was a lot of pressure and I, I think I handled it well. I think I did in the long run, but my goal was just to bring 
one good broadcast. And then once I got that one done, okay, now it's on to the second one and I have to bring another good broadcast to the fans. I wanted to make sure everybody enjoyed their experience listening to me and that it could be something that I do in the future. I have a bit of a personal question if you don't mind asking. Yeah, no problem. So you said you want to do broadcasting since you were like 11. Is there like a person who inspires you to do that or how did you get to that idea? Well, I grew up in a family of all boys. So my love for sports was pretty much, it had to happen. Otherwise I was going to be left out of almost everything. So yes, my love for sports started even before then. Um, and I followed all Detroit sports, right? Um, the Pistons were great in 04. They had great runs. The Red Wings won the cup in 02. That's a, in 08. They had great runs. Um, Tigers were awesome. So Detroit sports were, were great when I was growing up. And there was one person, her name is Shannon Hogan. And she was on Fox Sports Detroit covering all of our local teams. And I said, I want to be like her. I want to be able to go to Red Wings games and Tigers games and broadcast them. I want to be the sideline reporter interviewing players. She now works in New York covering the Islanders on MSG Network. And I still talk to her all the time, which is really cool. Another person that gets mad at me when I say I grew up watching them and wanting to be them because it ages them a little bit. But she is a phenomenal person. She helps me out. I would consider her a mentor for me which is really, really cool. So yeah, that would be the person that inspired me to do what I'm doing. Hi, my name is Matt Stillman. I'm a comms major. I'm a sophomore. So I have a question about podcasting. So I've seen that you've been on a good amount of podcasts. Uh, me and my roommate, we have a, like a podcast that we have on campus. And I was just going to ask about podcasting. Like how would you go about growing one? And like, what are your advices for talk or what is your advice for talking about sports on a podcast? Um, so talking about sports on a, on a podcast, I think I, there's, there's a lot of sports podcasts out there, right? We know that. Um, so what specifically are you guys covering that might help me answer? Well, right now we just have a podcast where we talk about everything. Like we try and be goofy. We try and make jokes. We have a podcast like that, but we do talk about football a good amount and uh, we're not allowed uh, as a NCAA athlete, we are not allowed to bet, but we do talk about sports betting sometimes. So uh, just like that aspect, aspect of sports and how would we go about that and growing a podcast like that? Again, social media is going to be your number one best friend. Make sure you're posting it on YouTube. Make sure you're on SoundCloud, Apple Music, Google Play, whatever, everything that you can put, Spotify, everything that you can put a podcast on, make sure you are putting it on there. And um, I don't know if you guys learn how to edit, uh, but if you have an editing software, cut up a 30 second clip, put that on Twitter and link it back to the full podcast, right? So get your best 30 seconds, your best minute of the podcast, and make sure you're putting that out on Twitter, Instagram, wherever small clips do well, TikTok, whatever you want to do, get it out there and link it back. And I don't know if you have the means for this. I know what it's like to be in college, trust me. But if you ever have like the opportunity to pay to promote, on um, Instagram or Twitter, that's super helpful too. Obviously, when I'm answering these questions, I, I was spoiled when I got into this social media stuff because I have the Red Wings backing me who obviously haven't, they had a natural following. So my following grew based on that. But I have seen so many people grow their following just by posting, using popular hashtags, pay, paying attention to what the social media trends are. Like you can go viral off of one video, right? So I think just Staying on top of that is super important. And I would say in the future, like if your podcast grows, that's that's awesome. But just be careful, like don't say anything that you wouldn't want, like that you think would 
uh, keep you from getting a job, I guess, is what um, I would keep in mind when you're doing a podcast at this point, because obviously you're going to want to get a job one day. And if people find this podcast and they, you know, you never know what they're going to hear on there. So just yeah. make sure that you keep it professional to an extent and have fun with it too, though. I don't, I'm not saying take away all the fun because that's what people like to hear. They like to hear personality, but make sure you keep it, you walk a thin line between being professional and, you know, unprofessional. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. I have time for one or two more questions for Daniela. Go ahead, man. All right. So I got another question. Um, all right. Obviously you didn't just like magically get this Red Wings job. Obviously you had to like network and get there. How important is networking uh, and like getting a job and like how big of a role did it play in your life and getting to where you are now? Networking is the number one thing that has gotten me where I'm at today. And I, like I said, I still do it all the time. I reach out to people on LinkedIn. I have so many contacts that I made from that. I, I email them all the time. And when I say, when I update my demo reel, I send it out to all of those contacts and um, for the feedback. And that's just making sure I keep up with that, right? Because you never know where a job is going to open that I might be interested in or anything like that. But in college, it was especially important just to have that network build. And with the Red Wings job, I, I actually, I mean, it came across the job posting and I did have a couple people that I knew that worked here. So there you go. You're using your network at some point, which is great. But I think it, it is just super important to create those contacts. Even right now, if you don't have a demo reel, just reach out and say, hi, my name is so-and-so, you know, I'm I'm going to school for this. This is what I want to do. What advice do you have for me? Just like you guys are asking me the questions right now, don't be afraid to reach out to people in this industry. I have never had a bad experience with it. And like I said, it's the number one thing that keeps me going, that gets me new opportunities. I've done some different sideline stuff because of the network of people that I know. And I think that that's a huge thing. It's a smaller world than you think in, in the broadcast industry. So people will start to hear about you and that's what you want. Uh, my name is Aaron Gray. I'm a business administration major. I'm a junior uh, getting my comm minor. Um, one question that I have, keeping it on a, a lighthearted note, is uh, most like legendary announcers have their trademark Paul. Do you have one of those yet? Are you going to work on one of those? I do not have a trademark call yet. And thankfully, I feel like it's more of a play-by-play -play thing than a color thing to have your call. Um but I was so nervous of stepping on Ken Cal when he was go making a goal, co goal call that I hadn't even thought about my own. I was just thinking, let him finish the call, let him finish the call, because that's the number one rule as a color analyst is you don't want to step on your play-by-play. -play. So it, to be honest with you, I hadn't thought about it, but I will think about it for the next time that I get into the booth. Um, but yeah, Ken has a very signature goal call and I was very nervous about stepping on it and I didn't. So that's, that's a good new, a good thing. Every goal they scored, I let him do the call and I had some good follow-up stuff with it. So I think that's what I was more focused on. Well, I don't want to take up much more of your time, Daniela, because you're so gracious to join us. I just had a couple of final things to wrap up. First of all, your Twitter, you have it enabled where people like me could actually send you a private message and invite you to do something like this. A lot of celebrities don't. Um, and that made me feel comfortable to reach out to you. And, and we're so grateful that you took the time to join us today. Why do you make time for this kind of thing? And why is that important for you uh, to be accessible to your fans? Uh, the number one reason is because I was in these exact same shoes not that long ago. I graduated, like I said, from Michigan State in 2016, and I was sitting in lecture halls and classes trying to figure out how I was going to get where I wanted to go. And having guest speakers and listening to people um, and their stories was part of the reason I got where I was. I always 
mention this. My first ever job shadow was my sophomore year at state. And I had a sports journalism class, my first one ever. Larry Lage, who is a writer for um, Associated Press, came in to speak to my class. And he, this is the advice he gave me. And I, I tell everybody, um, if you don't put in the order, you will never get served. And basically what he was saying, if you don't ask, you won't receive, right? So I took that to heart. I walked right up to him after class and I said, I wanna job shadow you. And he said, okay, yeah, let's set that up. And it ended up actually being a Red Wings game, which we always joke about as full circle because he's still here covering the Red Wings some games. Um, but yeah, I went down to Joe Lewis Arena and got to job shadow him at a Wings game just because I asked him. So he uses me as an example when he talks to other classes, just that you have to have that assertiveness. And I think, I want to give that back to, I want you guys to feel like if you want to email me and reach out to me that you can for any advice for demo real critiques. I know how important that is. And I know how much it means to students and you guys are working hard. I get it. It's a grind out there and um, big dreams, big aspirations. And I love to support that. So could you briefly tell us what your day is like? Um, you know, when do you have to report and what is a typical day like for you? So uh, today was a, a pretty light day, right? The, the Red Wings were on the road yesterday. They came home and they practiced here today. So it was a one o'clock practice. I came in and watched that, listened to the after practice press conferences and I do some editing. So like I said, um, my off days, which are non-game days are a lot of editing, catching up on that kind of stuff. I have three different projects to work on that are gonna get out today. And then one that's for the game tomorrow. So for a game day, though, it's it's a busy day, right? So the Red Wings have a morning skate on game days. They practice at 1030. I get here at around nine just to get myself settled in, go down to practice, listen to the Zooms. After all of that, um, I end up and the Zooms are press conferences. I, I call them that now because that's the world we live in where everything's via Zoom, obviously. But um, after that, I prepare for our four o'clock show. So our pregame show, it starts then. I start prepping. I have to cut highlights. I have to cut my sound on tape if I want any of it. So anything that Coach Flashel or a player said during their press conference, if I want that, I chop that up. I go downstairs to our control room here. I script everything and I work with our control room staff um, who help me make graphics. They help me run highlights through the replay system so that when we go live, I know exactly what's coming and when it's going to happen and they help me build it and produce all of that. So four o'clock showtime. After that, I get to eat dinner and we have a game. So um, it's a very long day on a game days. I'm usually here about 14 hours, um, but it goes by fast. And I know that sounds like a lot, but when it, sometimes I have to sit, sit back and think, you know, I'm getting paid to be at a hockey game. It's pretty awesome. Right. I'm getting paid to cover a hockey game. It's cool. Have you met Mo Sider? I, yes, I know Mo very well. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah, he's great. I, honestly, his personality too. Oh my gosh, he's he's awesome. I like to see him knock other guys over. That gets me fired up. So he, it's like he doesn't even it doesn't even like face him either. He just does it like no reaction. It's it's pretty awesome. He's great. He's going to be a bright future for the Rolling. Last question for you, Daniela. What's next for you? Um, what aspirations and goals do you still have out there? Where do you want to take this? Well, I still do dream of actually doing TV sideline reporting or, um, you know, pregame hosting or anything like that. So next for me would probably be a regional network somewhere in the country. I would love to stay in Detroit. I'm not going to lie. I absolutely love Detroit um, and I'd love to stay here forever. But I know that sometimes in this industry, that's not always possible. So wherever the next step takes me, I'm open to it. But I also always tell people like, yeah, I have all of these plans, but every time I try to make these plans, something else happens. Like I never expected this Red Wings job to fall into my lap. So you just never know. And I'm keeping all doors open and I'm always, you know, 
ready for whatever comes my way. That's the problem. Like Keats and Mickey York and Trevor Thompson, they never leave. I know. I tell them that all the time. I'm like, hey, when are you going to make room for me, guys? <laughs> Daniela, we cannot thank you enough. What an awesome uh, experience to hear your story. And uh, we're, we're so thankful for you making time for us. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to check out our social media pages for our next guest on April 26th. As always, we'd like to say a special thank you to producer Josh Hornbacher for his work behind the scenes today. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the Center for Sports Studies podcast on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star rating if you like what you heard. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also, be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrineCSS, and subscribe to our YouTube page by searching for the Trine University Center for Sports Studies. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.